Welcome in everybody to this edition of the Hop on the Bus podcast. My name is Ryan Williams and I am joined by my good friend, Mr. Grant Dowling. Grant, how are we doing today? Doing great, Ryan. We're feeling good. Lakers are in the conference finals for the first time since 2010. The Clippers choked and everything's right with the world. I was about to say, everything is back to normal now that the Clippers have once again choked. Um, nothing made me happier than seeing Paul George, a.k.a. Mr. Playoff P, uh, playing, mm-hmm. as poorly, playing as poorly as he did. Uh, what was that? Was that last night, two nights ago? I don't even know. I lost track. I don't even really care. But mm-hmm. uh, no, nothing made me happier than seeing him and Kawhi choke like that, a la Reggie Miller, uh, you know, with the choke, with the choke hold. I dug that. Um, the Twitter slander made me extremely happy, as I'm sure it made you. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll get into all of that and the good stuff uh, a little bit later on the pod. But uh, let's jump straight into kind of what we've missed in this break. By the way, we took a long break. Uh, I just moved up to Salt Lake City, Utah from St. George and was dealing with some no Wi-Fi issues and moving and starting on the job. And Grant had uh, had some technical difficulties. Luckily, we got those worked out for today. But uh, it's been a little while. We're 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 uh, trudging through that mud, and we're we're getting on our way to this podcast. And we're happy to be here. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, let's get into Grant. I'll start with you, and then I'll follow. Uh, thoughts on the Houston series? Kind of give me a wrap of what your thoughts were and what you saw stylistically, uh, adjustment wise, and, and kind of how that pertains to the rest of this playoff run. Well, I think first things first, because I want to kind of go chronologically. I don't want to talk about each individual game, um, but I kind of want to discuss the series chronologically. With the first game loss, um, I don't think LeBron is out there and AD is out there trying to just feel their way out and saying, you know, whatever, if we lose this game, whatever, we'll be fine. We'll be back stronger and having more information on this team the next game. But I do think there's something to that. Because watching that game, and I feel like you're going to feel the same, it reminded me a lot about the game one against the Blazers where their defense was like good, but not nearly to the level where we know they can play and where we expect it to be at. And then their offense was really stagnant, just like the first game in against the Blazers. So, you know, I feel like they're, they're not out there not caring about the result of the game. They're obviously still trying to win, I think. But I think there is something to the feel-out process of it. And, you know, just the fact that they steamrolled them again, just like the Blazers the next four games, making plenty of adjustments, uh, the biggest of which was not playing JaVale or Dwight uh, at all, I think, after game three, maybe after game two. And, uh, I mean, they they just kind of scouted and knew how to, penetrate this team from every vulnerable angle after game one and it really showed yeah no i i couldn't agree anymore you saw that game one similar to the portland series uh, a little bit of an adjustment period obviously uh everyone uh got got thrown into a whirlwind of emotions after that game one loss and suddenly you see all the laker haters climbing out of the woodwork saying <laughs> that they're gonna lose in five um but like clockwork uh, yeah, exactly, and I th- I think we uh, the us Laker fans kind of held true and understand that hey they're they're gonna they're gonna uh, stick it out through this storm that was Game One and obviously a Game One loss means a lot. Don't get that twisted. A Game mm-hmm. One loss means a lot. 
Uh, and so I, I think that that feel out period, then you see that transition into 20 plus point leads through most of the rest of the series. I mean, this game four, a 10 point win. I mean, I mean, some of these games were 20 plus point games and they, mm-hmm. the Lakers gave it up down the stretch and brought it back to 10 points. I mean, these, these were not competitive contests uh, for, for most of the game. Uh, you, you look, maybe the third quarter, they were up 20 plus points and then they brought it back down to 10 and got in striking range. And then obviously you have a game five meltdown, uh, you know, and, and uh, Russell Westbrook can be talking all that trash to Cancun. So, um, you know, you see that in game one where he's talking trash to the family members and, and cussing out the, you know, okay. You know, you, kids. You can, yeah, I was about to say, you could be about that talk, but, you know, as, as the one Marshawn Lynch said, let's be about that action. And and I, I think that's where we we saw the Lakers really step into their groove, find their groove, and defend the three-point line, which I think is going to be such a critical part. Uh, obviously, they had to do it against Portland. Of course, they had to do it against Houston, one of the highest three-point or one of the, the you know, they, they shoot the three the most out of the league. Uh, and then you look at a opponent, possible opponent in a Miami who uh, could go up, you know, two games to none tonight on, on a good Celtics team. Uh, I mean, they, they shoot the three a lot too. So I think that these experiences that we've seen out of the Lakers in round one and two are, are going to are gonna parlay down into, uh, obviously, we got to focus on Denver first, but uh, in, into future possible opponents. And I really liked what I saw adjustment-wise, but uh, there was a lot that also worried me. Uh, Rajon Rondo makes me want to pull my hair out of my head mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, the the guy came in and got his first minutes, two straight possessions, uh, almost airballed a 15-foot jump shot from the free throw line and then turned the ball over. So uh, you have that side of Rajon Rondo, and then you have the other side where he could score 20 points and look like the best point guard on on the court and and have one of the highest basketball IQs you've ever seen. So um, I think this series told us a lot about how uh, it's going to work out rotational roto- rotationally and how it's going to work out moving forward with um, just just yeah rotational wise adjustment wise. It showed a lot and and I'm looking forward to seeing that in Denver. Uh, with that, before we jump into this Denver series, uh, Grant, let's get into what was the arguably the greatest collapse in, in a in a conference semifinal series by a team that is uh, familiar to those kinds of collapses. The Los Angeles Clippers. I don't even want to say Los Angeles Clippers. There's only one team in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everyone knows that, but Grant. Start me off with your thoughts on what you saw from that Clippers series. You know, um, I think it's very telling that Jokic and Murray have never been in a playoff series that did not go seven games. Um, You know, I think everybody obviously expected the Clippers to be the favorites in that series. Uh, I don't think anybody expected the Clippers to have to take seven games to beat the Mavs in the first round. But... I tweeted this after game one or game two of that series. I'm pretty sure that this is the moment the Denver Nuggets have arrived, like this core of young players. They've been really good for the past two or three years. Uh, I believe they were the one seed for the majority of last year until like the last week or two when the Warriors barely overtook them for the one seed. And um, they just they just hadn't 
you know, they were really good and they were a really good regular season team and getting top four seeds, but nobody ever feared them come playoff time because we all know playoff basketball is a whole different beast. Um, but now, now that they've grown and matured together for the past three or four years, you can really see how far they've come. I, I'm very impressed with how Jokic and Murray just step up to the plate, you know, and they 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 understand that they're the two that make the world go round for the Nuggets, and they're 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 unafraid. Um, I think the Clippers, man, uh, for how much they talked and how entitled they you know, walked, I mean, I can't, I can't say walk because they didn't walk the walk for how much they talked all season. It's just, it's just an all around bad look. There's no way you can justify this result as a Clippers player, as a coach, as a fan. Uh, I heard Paul George said uh, the night of that loss that this year was not championship or bust. That's a load of crap. They were the favorite all season. Kawhi's coming off a championship in Toronto. Everyone anointed him as the best player in the league. Uh, last playoffs, we didn't forget because Braun wasn't there. Braun had missed the playoffs for the first time in 15 years and had gone to eight straight finals those last eight years. So I, I like just how much everyone, including the media, including fans, including the Clippers themselves, played themselves up to be the the team in line to take the crown next and not e- to 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 again fall in line with clippers lore and not make a conference finals again is just hilarious and like i'm could not be more happy <laughs> to to watch that collapse happen because you know as well as i do we went to high school together we you graduated in 2014 i graduated in 2015 be- since the lakers kind of went uh, downhill after they lost the Mavs in 2011 and Lob City rose to relevance. We had heard nothing but Clippers run LA. We run LA. And you know, sure, you guys were win- the, you The Clippers were the winning team. The Lakers were out there getting 17 wins in a season. We understood that you guys were the better team. But I don't want to hear that ever again. The, La- the Lakers had the worst seven years in their franchise history while... The Clippers had their best run in franchise history, and the Lakers still made it back to the conference finals before the Clippers could. That is just sad, and I, yeah. I leave it to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like to think that this in some way goes back to the Clippers covering the Lakers banners in Staples Center. Uh, I, I like to think that this all is somehow tied to their unwillingness to accept that they are the second favorite team in Los Angeles. They always have been. They always will be. Uh, they they just need to pick up and move. I mean, I, I don't know what is next for Balmer. My man needs to take them up north to Seattle or something because well, they he's building an arena in Inglewood, man, right across yeah. from the Forum. Well, well, they might need to scrap that and and dip out of town because the slander <laughs> that I have seen on this team is enormous. I haven't seen this sort of slander on NBA Twitter in so long. It is I saw someone say that it was worse, if not just as bad as uh, 2016 after LeBron came back from 3-1 against the Warriors. That, yeah. That's how you know. Yeah. No, it, this, this is, it is embarrassing to hear that Paul George after the game said that it was not a championship or bust season. That is embarrassing 
I am thankful that Paul George did not choose the Lakers. We dodged a bullet. I mean, oh my goodness. The kid from Palmdale, <laughs> a, a, a town that 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 gives no favors, a town that you need to to work your way out of. I know you and I know that probably is as good as some as many other as as mm-hmm. good as almost any other person, uh, except mm-hmm. for people living in the Antelope Valley. He made it out of there, a Fresno State pickup. I mean, the dude grinded his way into the NBA and into stardom, and he's trying to tell us that this wasn't a championship or bust season. Yeah, okay. Uh, it, it's it's not a good look for the Clippers. They're already talking about who they're going to trade Paul George to. I mean, it, it, this is an utter collapse, a collapse, uh, a waste of Kawhi Leonard's prime years. And let's not take any blame away from him. He choked too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the when you have your two best players, two superstars, more than superstars, arguably the best, uh, Kawhi Leonard, you know, many people touted him as the best player in the league, and Paul George, another great player. Let's uh, not mix it, words. People were saying that they were the best duo in the league, even though yeah. AD and LeBron were right across the hall. Yeah, yeah. You you have a guy in Montrez Harrell, no offense to Montrez Harrell, sixth man of the year. My guy is a hooper, but... You have him leading your team in a game seven in points. This, I mean, it, 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 it was bad. It was bad. And to see that collapse out of the Clippers, I, I was sitting on my couch smiling from ear to ear. Uh, like you said, Grant, all we heard about as Lakers fans in LA was Lob City, Clip City, this, Chip that. City. Chip City, Blake Griffin, uh, Chris Paul, the best young young uh, young players. They got rid of all that, and they put all their cards on the table this season, and they still couldn't make it to the conference finals. 50 years out of the conference finals. If I'm Steve Ballmer, I got to be having a serious talk with Doc Rivers. Obviously he's coming back but there can't he needs to shoulder some of that blame too but man in a game 7 to have two superstar level players just choke I mean it, it was embarrassing you and, know I do and, I do believe there's plenty of blame to go around I don't mean to cut you off here but I do want to no, say that uh you know we we went over Kawhi being supposedly the best player in the league we I think we can all agree he's a top 5 player in the league let's not take that away from him uh, Paul George, I think we can say is a top 20, top 15 player in the league without question. Um, but they didn't show up in this game. You cannot, like for how much money they're getting paid for the stardom that they have accomplished, for, for the reputations they have, they cannot go scoreless together in the fourth quarter. You like this Again, there's plenty of blame to go around. Lou Will did not show up. He's the one out there that you look for a bucket whenever he's supposed to be the Fred Van Vliet of this team. You know what I mean? From from last uh, finals where, where a player off the bench steps up and, you know, can give you 20 points a game. He did not show up. Lou will. Montrez Harrell did not show up either until this game seven, all playoffs. And, you know, I don't want to be too hard on Montrez because he did have a family tragedy and it did seem to really hit him hard. It took him like two weeks to get back to the bubble and ready to play again. So I don't want to be too hard on him. And I do want to respect 
you know, his personal life and whatever uh, degree that degree that factored into his poor performance. Uh, Doc Rivers did get thoroughly outcoached by Mike Malone in this series. We saw the adjustments Mike Malone was making. And, you know, maybe this is just kind of because he's Doc is from the previous era of coaches, so to speak, compared to Nick Nurse or Brad Stevens. Nick Nurse is out there during the finals yelling, making adjustments on the fly, pointing to who, where to go, where at all points of the game. Doc is kind of is a lot more stoic. He's out there standing, calling out plays, barking at his players, but not nearly to the same rate as Nick Nurse is. And, you know, I'm I'm worried that Rivers just did not know what to do. He did not make the proper adjustments. He didn't put his players in a position to succeed. But, you know, we can blame all the secondary personnel all we want. Kawhi and Paul George cannot go scoreless together in, yeah. in a fourth quarter of Game 7. That's just unacceptable all the way around. There's no, uh, there's no saving grace or silver lining to this collapse from the Clippers at all. Yeah, I was about to say, Doc Rivers, when, when with the Celtics, when they made their runs uh, back, and they, it was the Lakers in 08, 09, even, even 10, um, you know, those those teams, he never had to yell. He had guys in Kevin Durant, Paul Pierce, savvy veterans that are speaking up in the huddle. Kevin Garnett. Their, or excuse me. Yeah, did I say Durant? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Ke- Kevin Garnett. Pardon me. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I mean, he had guys that are speaking up in the huddle and, and, and being that voice, being that active voice. You don't really have that in a Kawhi Leonard. I, I I don't think I've really seen that out of a Paul George. I, I mean, and and guys that are that would that I would see doing that on the Clippers, maybe a Montrez Harrell who got into a pretty heated discussion with Paul George supposedly, or a Patrick Beverly are not in that position. They're not in that driver's seat as Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are. And when your superstars aren't playing well like that, and you have no other help. It, it was bad. It was bad, and, and it is a a terrible look for the Clippers. And like I said, they need to get out of L.A. or something, man. I, I would, if I'm Steve Ballmer, I to drop that much money into a team and not make the conference finals. Yeah, sounds good. But like you said, all props to Denver. Jamal Murray is a problem. Jokic is a problem, and and Gary Harris was out for a lot of time. He came back and is playing meaningful minutes. I, I mean, Plumley, guys off the bench are playing meaningful minutes. They they got a good team. Uh, and, and let's move now into the Lakers versus Denver series. I don't know, and Grant, you, I'm sure you, you can attest to this next. I don't know if me as a Lakers fan is afraid of Denver or whoever is going to come out of the East. And, and, and that's just a fact. No, I mean, I was at series. work doing this game. Uh, the the game seven between the Clippers and Nuggets and coming into the office, I was telling people were asking me because I was the only Laker fan there at the time. We have limited personnel in the office, obviously during the pandemic. And they were asking me, you know, who I want to win this game. And I telling people, and I've been telling people after that rocket series, I don't care who the Lakers play because this team is clicking on all cylinders and we still haven't seen them peak. We still haven't seen them reach the potential we know they have. We've we've seen it here and there in spurts throughout the regular season where they just completely dominate a team or they completely handle the end of a game 
and just put a team to bed. But uh, when it comes to Denver and the Lakers playing them, you know, a lot of a lot of the quotes I saw today out of the Lakers, they're they're not making the mistake that the Clippers uh, did, which I believe is that we talked about their entitlement and their their how much they talked coming into the season. Everyone giving them the favorite to win the title, maybe aside from the Bucks. Uh, they're not the the Lakers are not underestimating the the Nuggets, especially after being the first team in NBA history to come back from two. Three one deficits in the same postseason. They're they're respecting their opponent. LeBron said they they got a really good team and they're dangerous. He called them dangerous. So he he he's not out there thinking, oh, there's going to be a cakewalk. And neither should we. We really shouldn't. We can't we can't underestimate the Nuggets for a third time in the same postseason. Uh, I do want to mention because I wanted to say this earlier about the Lakers Rockets series. Um, before the series started, I felt that it was just obvious that JaVale and Dwight just shouldn't see any minutes that series just because it was a mismatch. And it's not that the Lakers should have acquiesced in a sense to playing small against the Rockets and letting the Rockets uh, game plan take the Lakers out of their own, out of their own strengths because they're a very paint dominant team. Uh, But I believe Vogel took JaVale out of the starting lineup for game three or four that series and he didn't see any minutes the rest of the series, and neither did Dwight. But that was a good adjustment because Kuzma talked about this and mentioned this. They're, when the Lakers go small and they don't play JaVale or Dwight, they're small. the small is in air quotes because think about their lineup. It's AD, Markeith Morris, or Kuzma, Braun, and some combination of Rondo, Caruso, KCP, and Danny Green. That's three players six nine or taller and we all know ad can it's no different him playing the five um and with the closing lineup also having ad at the five crusoe becomes the primary perimeter defender to close games and he's got a good six five frame frame on him so their small isn't that small it's it's a small that where they can keep up with the rockets switching defensively while also keeping superior size to dominate the paint on the offensive end so not not really sacrificing anything why I say that for this Lakers Nuggets series because Dwight and JaVale are both both should be should be getting back to closer to their normal uh time in this series because Denver does play with legitimate centers in Jokic and Plumlee off the bench. Um the Lakers, we saw them, in my opinion, handle the Nuggets during the regular season. Uh AD's thoroughly outplayed them. I know you have the head to head stats on them. Um although you know, again, we got to respect the Nuggets because Jokic and Murray have just reached another level this postseason. So, you know, we just the Lakers just can't go into this series thinking it's going to be a cakewalk like the Rock, the Rockets and the Blazers. Shoot, they might win in four, they might win in five, they might win in six, they might win in seven, but they better respect them because the Nuggets are playing with house money. Absolutely, uh, I I couldn't agree anymore, Grant. Uh, they they need to to stay respectful of that team. They've shown that they fight. They get after it, and they don't hold back. And even when they're down and out, they they, they find a way. Uh, and and that's all props to that team and Michael Malone. I mean, they they have really shown that they come back uh, and and don't stop. They don't quit at all. 
let's get into the regular season series. Lakers won three out of the four games. That loss coming uh, without LeBron, and that was only and that was a twenty-four point blowout uh, in the regular season. This was obviously before the pandemic stopped uh, the year, but uh, without LeBron, uh, the 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 Nuggets beat the Lakers by twenty-four. Um, let's get into the head-to-head matchup uh, for Jokic and Anthony Davis. Head-to-head this season, Anthony Davis is averaging just under 30 points uh, against Jokic. Jokic averaging 16.3. Field goal percentages were similar, uh, about uh, AD at 54, Jokic at 49. Uh, from, the three, from beyond the three-point line, Jokic a, a lot more efficient because he takes less shots. Anthony Davis, 5 of 14. Jokic, 5 of 8. Uh, Anthony Davis, big rebounding margin, a four-point rebounding leader. And then, of course, on the assist area, uh, Jokic, uh, a large margin over that, a a little over three and a half more assists per game than Anthony Davis. But, um, man, the the Nuggets are going to be a tough team. This isn't going to be a cakewalk. Uh, Let's get that out of the way now. The thing that worries me most and what I've noticed when looking at box scores of past games for the two teams uh, Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee have had problems in the past. Uh, I was looking at one box score just now. JaVale McGee was minus 20 and Dwight Howard was minus 10 or something along those lines. It might've been shifted, but I mean, to have both those players and obviously a plus minus isn't necessarily, uh, the best, uh, statistic to use when looking at how a player plays in a game, but that's not a good look. And, uh, this is going to have to be a series where they come to play. You've got two serious low post threats, unlike you had with Portland and uh, with the Rockets. Now you've got a team in Denver with size, with with length, with athleticism. Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap, Jokic. I mean, mean, they have some big players. This is not going to be a Rockets series. This is going to be a get-down-and-grind series. Um, The the question here is, you know, how much are you going to allow Paul Millsap freedom and who are you going to put Anthony Davis on? I think it has to be the Joker. I, have, I think it has to be Jokic. Absolutely. Uh, I also think you need to put uh, one of the other bigs or whoever it may be, uh, whether it be Dwight Howard or, or the, that kind of guy, or maybe you go small like we saw against the against the, the Rockets. Maybe you put Braun on Millsap and let everybody else find their way. I mean, a, a Danny Green, a KCP can guard a Jeremy Grant. Uh, I'm... I'm I'm most worried about it on the defensive side of the ball. The Nuggets have shown that uh, their their defense has flaws. Uh, they give up points. That's not a question. Uh, the biggest thing for me is how the Lakers are going to lock down on defense. Uh, you look at this Cl- Clippers series. Obviously, they had one dogfight where they held the Clippers to 85 points. But other than that, 120 um you're looking down the line, 113, 105. And then obviously the last two games where the Clippers offense was just dismal. Um, I'm not worried about the offensive side of the ball. That's clicking. I'm going to need to see that type of defense that we saw against James Harden, that we saw against Russell Westbrook, making sure you're guarding your help side, making sure you're you're helping out your teammates. I mean, this, the, the basic defensive principles are really what's going to separate the Lakers this series and has thus far. Uh, defense is key. I think that's going to be big for them. And uh, you know what? I guess we'll just have to wait and see for uh, Friday night when uh, game one comes up and and then we'll have to get back on here and talk about what we saw and and what needs to be changed going forward. But I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a game one loss again. 
even though they're well rested. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, um, I wouldn't be surprised about the game one loss either. And they were well rested for the Rockets. Um, that didn't really make a difference. Um, regarding the Lakers defense coming into the series though, I will say, um, uh, maybe I should have, um, included this just to make it easier to, to grasp what I, why I was talking about the Lakers Rockets series and what it has to do with this upcoming series. Vogel has said all season that defensively they prioritize the paint. They don't want their opponent to get easy looks at the paint, which you would think, you know, Vogel as a defensive uh, mastermind, uh, and he comes into the season as the Lakers' new head coach saying things like, you know, he took a year or two to catch his mind up, so to speak, uh, with how the game is played. Um maybe getting more analytics in that. I don't know what that means, but like they, he, he's always said they're, they're inside out def- defense first. When I, I brought up their adjustments with the Rockets, because the fact that they didn't play centers in the last two games of that series, and they were able to adjust and prioritize switchability while also maintaining their paint presence and not letting the Rockets get easy looks at the rim. That's huge for them going into this Nuggets series because we all know the Rockets, they don't take any mid-range shots. They're all threes and looks at the rim if they can get them. There's nothing else in their game. So coming into against the Nuggets, I'm pretty confident in the Lakers holding it down in the paint. And the fact that they were able to adjust uh, on the fly as well to running the most uh, voluminous three-point shooting team in the league off the line while also maintaining paint presence when that's literally the two things that that team does. I have the utmost confidence in their defense coming into this series because they'll hold it down in the paint. And if they need to, they'll run, they'll run teams off the line. I think, holy voice crack. I think this team is uh, very well prepared coming into the series. And just to give a prediction, I got the Lakers in six. There you go. Uh, I, I, I'm right there with you. I think Lakers in six or five. Um, I will say this one last thought, uh, Lakers need to be watching film on how the Utah jazz played the Denver nuggets. The Utah jazz were the better team in that series and they collapsed, but looking at games two, three, and four, uh, 20 point, 20, a 19 point win by the jazz in game two and sheesh. Uh, almost a 30-point win, a 27-point win in Game 3. They need to be looking back on film at that series and seeing how the Jazz exploited that because the Jazz don't have as much size as the Lakers, and yet they were still able to blow them out in Games 2 and 3. So I think the Lakers are locked in on film. I think they're doing their homework. And uh, as I said before, I think we'll just have to wait and see what comes as of Friday and Game 1. But but as for that, Mr. Dowling, uh, I guess we'll be talking again shortly. Everyone out there, Lakers Nation, uh, let's cheer on our Lakers coming up here on Friday, game one of the series, a 7 o'clock, or pardon me, well, depends on where you're at. I'm in mountain time, so it's a 7 o'clock start for me, mountain time, 6 o'clock on the west coast, uh, 9 o'clock on the east coast, 8 o'clock somewhere in the middle. Uh, <laughs> so everyone tune in, support the Lakers, and hopefully we get a good showing on uh, on Friday. As for that, for Grant Dowling, I'm Ryan Williams. Thank you for tuning in to the Hop on the Bus podcast. Chime in on Twitter, 
chime in uh, wherever you can find us. We're both on Twitter, but like and subscribe to the podcast if you like what you hear. And uh, we'd love to hear some feedback from you guys on on what you would like to hear. So uh, make, make sure to be staying in tune. And until next time, Lakers Nation, we'll talk to you then.